Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk a little NXT as we get closer to TakeOver in Toronto. One of the newest members of the AEW locker room speaks out about his shocking action at Fighter Fest, and we celebrate the 40th anniversary of a pro wrestling institution. NXT champion Adam Cole said it on our show last week that his chapter with Johnny Gargano was over. Well, he may want it to be over, but Johnny Gargano certainly isn't ready for it to be. Bully and I give you our thoughts on Cole Gargano 3 coming up at TakeOver in Toronto. Sean Spears shocked the wrestling world with his chair shot to the head of Cody Rhodes at AEW Fighter Fest. We dissect his comments to Jim Ross about why he did it and who he's bringing to All Out to stand in his corner. Plus, Pro Wrestling Illustrated celebrated its 40th anniversary this year, and we talked to the man who makes it all happen. Stu Sachs joins us. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. When we had Adam Cole on last week, and then what we saw last night, completely different. So for those who didn't hear it, let's go back to last week and what Adam Cole had to say about Johnny Gargano. Well, you talk about being free. One thing you haven't been able to be free of is Johnny Gargano. What what can we expect between you two moving forward, and especially that NXT championship you have around your waist? Well, let me tell you, I feel I feel like as far as I've con- I'm concerned, I've I've proven that point, and now I can move on from Johnny. You know, I I had my I had my rematch with Johnny. It went well. I'm the NXT champion, and now as far as I'm concerned, I'm ready for new challengers. I mean, I'm done with Johnny Gargano. Now that's what he said last week, and it seemed like he was going to fulfill that promise on NXT last night, bully, because he was actually going to give somebody else an opportunity at that NXT championship at the end of the show last night. But obviously, it didn't go that way. I hope you realize that I'm giving you the opportunity of a lifetime. And don't worry, I'm alone. There's no undisputed era. It's just me, and it's just you. Twan, I'm going to give you a, a fair chance to, I don't know, maybe slap the taste out of my mouth. Just you and me. That's too bad. Because I didn't come alone. For the first time since losing the NXT TakeOver 25, Johnny Gargano is back at full sale, and Johnny Gargano is bringing the fight to the new NXT champion. Yo, 
furious. Gargano oh. taking umbrage with the fact that Cole oh. trying to humiliate Gargano in Gargano's hometown of Cleveland. Cole's on the run. Well, I can't, just can't shake Gargano, Bully, it seems. Uh, before I get into this, uh, I've said it before, and I want to say it again. Mauro Ronaldo makes everything better. Yes. Just just listening to the call, I was excited. But yeah, Gargano and Cole, three. Um, great setup for it. Uh, I really, I'm excited for it because it's been a hell of a story. And I like the way they're going to blow this off. Two out of three falls. And then Regal went on social media and said that one guy is going to be able to determine what the mm. first, what type of match the first fall will be, and then the other guy will get to determine what the second fall will be, and if it's tied at the end of two falls, William Regal will decide what the third match stipulation will be. It's interesting because you're you almost know that they're going to go to the third fall, right? Uh, usually it does, bully. Right. <laughs> now, if it's William Regal, what type of match do you think, or match stipulation, do you think William Regal is going to call for? That's a great question because you know that Cole and Gargano are going to be out for blood. So it's going to be interesting what they come up with for those first two falls. But William Regal, more sensible, obviously the voice of reason when it comes to NXT. I'm wondering what that third and final fall is going to be. Imagine if they went completely backwards. Imagine like Cole were to say the first fall is going to be first blood. And then the, and then uh, Gargano said that the second fall was going to be like a TLC match. And imagine at the end of two falls, you got bloody and destroyed guys who can't even get to their feet. And then you get to the third fall and William Regal comes out and says... It's going to be a catch-as-catch-can wrestling match. Like, yeah, or or like you you said, like it's first blood match where at the end of two falls, they're completely exhausted. And William Regal says, you know, we're going to have a one-hour Iron Man match yeah, exactly. for the third and final yeah. fall. Yeah, that's even better. A one-hour <laughs> Iron Man match. <laughs> wow. And both of them are looking like, are you kidding me? But you know what? The, Toro- NXT TakeOver Toronto sold. Like... Whatever you put on other than this match, fine and dandy, a little gravy on top of the mashed potatoes, but the meat and potatoes is going to be this match. This match alone sells takeover for me in Toronto. Absolutely. These two guys alone sell takeover for me. They have never let me down. Gargano always gets the job done. Adam Cole always gets the job done. I only got to spend a little bit of time with him in Ring of Honor when I got there, and then he was on his way out. I I used to sit there and watch the guy perform. Awesome job every time. These guys have been getting it done in NXT. I'm excited for the two out of three uh, um, match at TakeOver. And, Dave, I actually love your idea. Uh, I, I said, let's go backwards with it, and, and you put the cherry on top. 
Let's go crazy in the first fall. Let's go crazy in the second fall. And just when these guys are broken, battered, and bruised, let's go one-hour time limit Iron Man. Yeah, it's like when you, you, and because you, these guys can pull it off. Yeah, and you talk about Iron. Like, that would be like Iron Maiden, you know, starting to set off with the trooper, and you go into the number of the beast, and then your encore is Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. That, <laughs> that's that's what with this NXT TakeOver match would be. And it's, the, again, you know, this is where you got to give NXT a lot of credit. And a lot of fans, you know, we talk a lot about Raw. We talk a lot about SmackDown. NXT always seems to be the show that we forget about. Us as fans and even us as broadcasters, Bully, because there's always so much going on with the other shows. And this being on the network on Wednesdays, it gets overlooked, especially since it's only an hour. But NXT continues to do the little things and do them well. I mean, how many times do we talk about, man, this roster's depleted. How are they going to move forward? How are they going to get you into a takeover? And every single takeover, they seem to outdo the last one. And also, you talked about Mora Ranallo. I mean, listen, we could talk about the all-time greats. But, you know, when you look at Moro, is there a better commentator right now than what he's doing Wednesday nights on NXT? Listen, we just listened to a little snippet of the, the, the Gargano and Adam Cole stuff. And just listening to Morrow doing the call of the action made it more exciting for me. Whenever I watch Morrow call a boxing match, whenever I listen to him calling wrestling, he, he is, has such a unique way of making it more exciting for me. Um, uh, guys like him and Joey Styles had, had this, uh, this, this way of just, I could feel their passion. I could feel their love and their enthusiasm for what they were watching and what they were verbalizing to me as a fan. So, yeah, Morrow's Morrow's phenomenal. Yeah, and like obviously Jim Ross is the greatest of all time. Morrow right now within the world of the WWE, I think is the best, and he has more freedom. When I talk about other announcers, we're just we just know and assume that JR is the best. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I, like, leaving JR out of that comment has nothing to do with JR is the be all and end all and then everybody else. Yeah, because like if we had like the Mount Rushmore of announcers, we would have put Jim Ross because it would be the Jim Ross <laughs> rush, you know, it would be Mount Jim Ross. I think, it would it be, would be, I think it would be J.R. Gordon Soley. Um, I don't know. Maybe I mean, one day that we'll save Bob that for a Co- show. Bob Cottle, I think, is is one that you might want to put up there. Um, Mercer with World Class is a great one. Uh, you know, Morrow is finding his way. Morrow on the main Lance roster. Russell. Think about this. Think about Morrow on Monday Night Raw with no handcuffs on. But the problem is, there's always going to be handcuffs. <laughs> oh, on my God. Night Raw. Oh, I, listen, I was just playing Fantasyland for a second there. Morrow calling Monday Night Raw without re- any restrictions. Them just saying, Morrow, say whatever you want. You know what that is? That is Fantasyland. That's like selling widgets. Right? Because, <laughs> What's a widget? What's, <laughs> because, and this is where, like, you know, an ad, like a, a Michael Cole gets a lot of unfair criticism because you have to understand what that guy has to do for three hours on Monday Night Raw. It's it is a commercial for the network. It's a commercial for the next pay per view. It's a commercial for their social media. It's a commercial for everything else that's going on in that world, the WWE universe. It's very very difficult to do that. And oh yeah, by the way, call a match, Morrow. 
Hey, he has to mention another event. He has to mention a takeover. Maybe there's something he has to talk about as a sidebar. But 90% of his job is calling the match. I don't know if there's any other announcers that have the freedom like Amaro right now. Keyword, freedom. <clears throat> I wish more wrestlers, I wish more announcers had freedom. And I guess I should say in that in the WWE. Because in companies like Impact or Ring of Honor, especially AEW, that freedom exists. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the SiriusXM app. You know, he's also the editor and publisher of the greatest pro wrestling magazine of all time. And right now, the surviving magazine and we bring him in right now, the great Stu Sachs. Stu, how are you today? I'm good, but I, could, I guarantee you this might not be the best interview you guys ever do, but I won't hang up on you. Well, I, we appreciate that. And thanks for the uh, <laughs> vote of confidence, Stu. <laughs> I think it's going to be the best interview we've ever done. Bully, oh, your thoughts? Sure. Stu, I want to ask you a question right off the bat. Do, okay. Is there a sense of accomplishment or pride knowing that after 40 years, Pro Wrestling Illustrated is truly, you, you, like I said earlier, you're the Alexander the Great of wrestling magazines. You're the last of the Mohicans. You're the last one standing. There's got to be there's got to be a sense of accomplishment there. I, I guess. I, I mean, in a sense, yes. In a sense, it's, a, it's kind of sad because there were so many, including many, many of ours that didn't, didn't last as long. And I'm sorry about that. You know, it's just... That's the way the print business is these days. It's very, very difficult to keep alive in this industry. But I think that you know the, that we pride ourselves on the quality of the magazine, and I think that the, the the best ones will will you know best of anything will succeed. So that's I, I do take a little bit of pride in that. Yes, and thank you. And again, forty years. I mean, it's one thing to be surviving. But 40 years of being this type of a magazine that a lot of people consider the Bible of pro wrestling. So many stories attached to it. So many, so many stories that probably fans don't know about. I mean, you know, what has this roller coaster ride been for you? It's, it's been a, a lot of fun. Um, you know, I started off, I was 23 years old, right out of college. And I, I did not expect to be doing this for my whole life. My goal was to be a sports reporter for a, for a daily newspaper. And I was uh, given an opportunity to interview for the job when I was still in college. And I was given a writing test, and I was offered the job, and I had to think long and hard about it because, you know, journalism jobs were really tough to come by. And I was given something that looked like a lot of fun. So um, I thought long and hard, and I ultimately turned down the job because I was still in college, and I really wanted to graduate. I knew if I went to the magazines, I would never finish college. So a second second time, somebody left the magazine, and they called me up and said, Stu, you know, we, we, the job's here for you if you want it. And I said, same reason, guys. I, I can't do it. I just got to finish college. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to get another shot at this. Well, in July of 1979, a month after I graduated from college, they offered me the job again, and I was like, okay, this is it. I'm here. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it started off just amazing because I, I was with a bunch of guys who were very young, and had a, we had a lot of fun doing what we did. And through the years, you know, I met a lot of people 
a lot of people have come and gone, and I've enjoyed working with, I'd say, practically everyone. And, you know, the, the downside of the roller coaster is that, you know, now that we're just the only magazine left and we're six times a year, it's, it's just me. I have freelance writers who are great, who, who work, I work with very closely, but in the office where we used to have a bunch of guys throwing ideas back and forth at each other, it's just me. Wow. So, yeah, so that, that's the bottom of the roller coaster. But, you know, it's, in the electronic age, you still have pretty close contact with everybody. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in, a, in a vacuum. I, you know, if I put out an email to my, all my freelance writers, my trusted freelancers, I get answers back immediately with all kinds of ideas and suggestions, and it's, it's still pretty good. Stu, is, the, is there a particular year that you worked for PWI that really stood out for you? A banner year, a fun year, a year that you will always remember as being, you know, your best effort or the magazine's best effort? You know, it, it's hard to, like, dis- differentiate the years, but I still keep all the uh, all the sales reports for all the years, and it, it was fun to get the sales reports and see these crazy high numbers back in like nine, in the, the late 80s was just unbelievable in fact at at one point in 1988 we were outselling sports illustrated on the newsstand now i'm not saying we we outsold sports illustrated because they had you know you know millions of subscribers but on the newsstand except for the swimsuit issue we outsold them wow so that that was a, that was a really good period of time Stu, you know and First of all, I'm glad that there really is a Stu Sachs because I actually kind of <laughs> doubted that for quite some time because some of the writers that we grew up reading weren't real. Matt Brock, Liz Hunter, to find out that those were fictional people that were involved in the magazine was heartbreaking for me. And What? I know, right? No Liz Hunter? There was no Liz Hunter. There was no Liz Hunter. But there was. The, the you people, guys are killing this <laughs> for me. The people who wrote Liz... They were they were the character of Liz and and of course Matt Brock that was written by a whole bunch of different writers excluding me I've never written as Matt Brock which is amazing but there were a bunch of different Matt Brocks so yeah they, they, uh, you know I'm sorry to let the cat out of the bag but yeah there were a few that didn't exist and in fact I let off my column this this issue the the one that's just out now saying that proclaiming that yes I do exist. <laughs> And I think I think most people kind of understand that. <clears throat> Excuse me, but you know, going to uh, to Starcast and being you know with with everybody and with a, a lot of fans and a lot of people came up to me and and were just it was very gratifying for people to come up to me and say you know that how much the magazines have meant to them over the years and um, you know the, you know people were asking me to autograph their copies and it, it was it was a lot of fun. I I don't. In the 40 years, I never did a lot of traveling. I never, I was, I did some, but not, I was not Bill Apter or Craig Peters who were out there all the time. And to, to get amongst, you know, the, the people who appreciate the magazine was <clears throat> very, very gratifying for me. And Stu, that's the, the one thing that, why I kind of doubted your existence. <laughs> because you mentioned Craig Peters and Bill Apter. As fans, we've seen Craig Peters and Bill Apter everywhere. We've seen them at the matches. We've seen them on TBS, you know, back with, you know, at 6.05 with the NWA. You know, this week in pro wrestling, we've seen them. But we never saw you. You're, you're somebody that was definitely behind the scenes. Was that on purpose? It, it's it's 
more my personality. They were those those two guys are very outgoing and they and they 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 love to do that kind of thing. That that's just not me. I'm I'm more of like you know, I'll, I'll stay in the office. I'll be the I'll be the guy back here. I'll I'll you know, I'll I'll do what I have to do from a, to, get, to get the magazines out, but just to get out and, and do the public appearances was never really something that I I was felt particularly good at or was very comfortable doing. Dave, I am one of the few people and, and maybe the only person that has a picture with Stu Sachs and Bill Apter. Wow. Stu, true or not? That is true. That was I can't, I can't remember the name of the event, but it was it was someplace here in the suburbs of Pennsylvania, and uh, you were there, and Bill was there, and we got a great picture together. And uh, you, I think you made a comment. It was like the the original the original dirt sheet, right? <laughs> but uh, we we were far from that. Well, yeah, because, you know, a lot of people don't know, maybe even that read the magazine now, that back in the day, you know, you followed the storylines. You know, the, the, a lot of yeah. the interviews that, you know, that we read back in the day, you know, that that was within character. You weren't trying to find out about backstage politics or why was this show booked a certain way. It was really an extension of what we saw on TV. That's exactly right. You know, we, uh, you know, we, we sat as a group and we you – know, we, took what was happening on TV and in the arenas and said how could how could we make take this to the next level and just give give the wrestlers a, a little bit more you know a little bit more of a of a, a human feel than just you know I'm going to you know I'm going to beat you up in X town you know so you know and and that was bef- I, th- I think that was the way promos were back earlier and you know they they have a lot more depth today of course but we we tried to do that in in the magazines we tried to you know if if they, they, the wrestlers were not shouting in the interviews that we did in the magazines they were they were talking we had them alone there was no they weren't in an arena trying to uh you know trying to intimidate their opponent they were just talking to a reporter so they they were we we presented them in character but in a calmer more cerebral setting Stu, um, me and Dave were talking earlier about your most popular issue, which is the PWI 500. And mm-hmm. obviously fans enjoy that issue probably more than any other one, or at least that's just my opinion. We were also talking about the stock that wrestlers put in the PWI 500. Um, have you gotten negative feedback from wrestlers themselves about their PWI rankings? Well, one of the advantages of staying back behind and letting Bill and Craig out into the field and really dealing with, with the wrestlers face-to-face is I, I didn't have to face much of that. Um, so they, Bill in particular took the heat. Um, and, and, and these days, you know, Bill, Bill's been gone for – not gone, but gone from the magazines for 20 years, and he's still hearing – gripes from from wrestlers saying you know why why was i 444 in the pwi 500 and bill's like you have to understand i don't work for the magazines anymore and they <laughs> said yeah but you 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 have connections you you know you're you still have something to do with it and like bill tries to explain to them that no but dan dan murphy's out there a lot and dan is really the he's the guy who spearheads the pwi 500 and i think i think he hears from wrestlers and it's not always in a negative way you know a lot of the guys are very very grateful and very very positive and they they 
they understand that their placement in the just being placed in the 500 could mean something to something to them financially, and they play off of that. And they uh, you know some somewhere so I, I I can't remember, I'm sorry, but I can't remember the name of the wrestler. But he he actually asked me for permission to to have a PWI 500 belt made. And he was, the, I think he was number 500 in the 500 one year. So he was the PWI 500 champion. And um, it's like, yeah, have fun with it. Go for it. <laughs> you know, Stu, did it bother you that, you know, people refer to the wrestler inside wrestling, sports review wrestling, and obviously pro wrestling illustrated as after mags? I mean, obviously Bill after a big contributor to all those magazines, but did that ever bother you? To be perfectly honest, it, it does a little bit. I, I mean, there's nothing there's nothing that I could do to change the fact that that's the way they're. I don't think anybody does it with any malicious intent. But and even Bill, when he's when he's approached with the after mags term, he he tries to push it away, saying, "Look, I didn't come up with that term." Um, he he says Dave Meltzer did. I, I ran it to Dave in Las Vegas, and he Dave Meltzer says he didn't come up with it. But um, it, it it's Bill, Bill tries to explain to people that it was he was the, the face of the magazine, but the whole you know, the producing the magazines was a, was a group effort, and um, you know he, he was just one aspect of it, a very 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 vital aspect of it, but just one aspect of it, and we we couldn't have done it without everybody who was on the staff. So um, I, I prefer the term Weston Mags because Stanley Weston was the creator and the owner of the magazines for all those years. So I think that's that encapsulates what the magazines were a little bit more precisely. But you know, if, if people want to call them the after mags, that's all right too. Stu, has we've had this conversation before. Um, a lot of the interviews that you've done in PWI are, you know, much like pro wrestling, like fabricated storylines. Are there any legitimate sit downs you've done with the boys or or or, or the women? And if so, which ones? Well. That was the way the magazines were done for many, many, many years, uh, you know, where, where we would, you know, with the trust of the industry and quoting the wrestlers in character, they said, you know, go for it. You know, you, you know you, there's, no, there's no reason to call, you know, Bully Ray and, and ask him questions. It's like it, when, he, when he's in character because it's like, it's like calling uh, Lucille Ball and, and interviewing her as, as Lucy Ricardo. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's a character. And if, as long as the industry trusted us to do it correctly, and, we, and we, we, I think we earned that trust, and 99.9% .9 of the wrestlers were fine with it, that's the way we did things back then. But the industry has changed. Things have changed. The magazine has changed. We don't do that anymore at all. We don't, we don't fabricate any stories, any quotes. And in fact, I I encourage the um, when I when I give a writer an assignment, I say talk to talk to the wrestler, get something from them, engage them in conversation, and, and every one of them has a better real life story than anything that we could possibly come up with. Um, so and and it's up to it's up to you to engage engage the, the wrestler in that kind of conversation and giving something that that the readers would not re be able to read in Wikipedia, and. It always comes back with with a far better story than we anything we could ever create. 
Um, we, we, before we had John Boy and I were talking about how some not only wrestlers but even promoters reacted to the power rankings. You know, your rankings were so vital for re- pro wrestling fans that didn't get to see every single show. Do you have any remembrances or stories of certain run-ins you might have had with wrestlers or with promoters when it came to the rankings? Again, that that would be a, that would be a Bill thing. I'm I'm safe in the office. Bill's out there facing these you know 275 pound uh, giants, asking them why why was I nine instead of six in the, in the you know WWF ratings. And 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 Bill's answer was always you know we basically reflect the 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 push and the of what you're getting in the promotion. So if you, you know, if if you're number one in the ratings, that means you're you're main eventing, or if you're obviously the champion is the champion. So, you know, I think that they pretty much understood. Um, and we got we we also Bill also would call the offices, and he would get a lot of feedback from the offices on, you know, who should be ranked, what's you know what's going on. We you know, we we knew what was going on, but they they had better insight into into those kind of rankings than than we could. And we took what they said and weighed it with our views and came up with the rankings in that way. Stu, for some of our younger uh, listeners who are obviously caught up in the technology age, who might not read wrestling magazines anymore or magazines in general, who are listening to you right now and might be saying, wow, this magazine's been around for 40 years. I'd love to check it out. Where can fans find Pro Wrestling Illustrated these days? What's the easiest way to get your hands on an issue of PWI? Okay, the easiest way is to go to our website, which is uh, pwi-online.com. And we offer there the, the, the access to the print edition or the, uh, the digital edition, which they, could, which they could immediately download to their, whatever device they have. And we even have it customized so that it works best on a, on a, on a phone. Um, so that's, that's the best way to do it. I mean, you could still go to the newsstands, um, unfortunately, the, the, because of the decline of the print industry, the newsstands are the, the, there are fewer newsstands, and what's out there are their their racks are getting smaller. So I, yeah, great if you can find the magazine at the newsstands, that's a that's a great way to buy it. But to me, go to the website, order it, or better yet, subscribe, and you're saving fifty percent off what you'd pay at the newsstand anyway. So that's that to me is the best the best route. All right, Stu, 40 years, 40th anniversary of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Like Bully said, you're the lone survivor. Yeah. It's uh, it's unbelievable. And, Stu, I know you have the podcast as well for PWI. Um, but 40 years, man, it's something that uh, you should be very, very proud of. And congratulations. And thanks so much for taking the time for us today. Well, I appreciate that, that you guys had me on. And I, I encourage anybody who is a fan of wrestling magazines or Pro Wrestling Illustrated in particular – to go go to our website and click on stream the uh, the podcast. We have a, a two hour long podcast with with uh, Bill After, Craig Peters, and me, hosted by Al Castle. Wow! And it's it, it's all we had a gas doing it. It was a lot of fun, and there's some pretty cool testimonials from people in the industry, including one Dave Lagreca. And I appreciate that, Dave. And there's some more there's some more out there, and it's a lot of fun. So. If you want to know more about the magazines and the history and a lot of stuff that we've never revealed before, that's the place to go.
All right, Stu Sachs, editor and publisher of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the Bible to a lot of pro wrestling fans. Stu, thanks again for the timing. Congratulations. Thank you, Dave and Bully. Appreciate thanks, it very Stu. much. Take care, Bye-bye. buddy. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music, plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. And obviously, Sean Spears with that shot heard around the pro wrestling world on Cody Rhodes and a bloodied Cody Rhodes. And now Sean Spears calling himself the chairman of AEW. But as I said, JR sat down with Sean Spears. And first question was, why did he attack Cody Rhodes? How many of those people would you consider in your inner circle, your close friends? Would it be 50, 25, 10? Maybe less. I than have 10. five. Five people that I let into my inner circle, five people that I trust, that I planned on keeping near and dear to my heart until the day that I died. Cody was one of them. There's certain things that people in regular life you're just not supposed to do. There's certain things you don't. You don't say in the wrestling industry there are certain terms and certain things you also don't say, especially within your core group. Cody crossed the line, and I think you know what I'm talking about, right? I got a good good idea. It's changed. Cody's put on a suit, giving himself a nice fancy executive vice president title, and he's saying the same damn thing that they have said for nearly eight and a half years. He's changed. You don't call someone a good hand, JR. I'd like to think, Sean, he didn't mean it in a derogatory manner, but I can certainly understand your angst that you took it that way. It's the, it's the curse of this industry to be called a good hand. You know this. 40 years, you know this. You understand what I'm talking about. He should know better, JR. Clearly, he forgot, and that's why I wrapped a steel chair around his face at Fighter Fest. Sometimes people just need to be reminded. Cody did call him a good hand. So when you hear you're a good hand. What are the thoughts that come to mind? Kiss of death. It's like calling somebody a good little worker. You're a good hand. Basically means you're no better than a mid-carter at any point in your career. You'll always have a job because you're a good hand. You can get the job done, but you're never going to be a superstar. And if you speak Cody, which is a very interesting language, you know that Cody knew exactly what he was saying about Sean Spears. So you call we, somebody, if, if a wrestler says to another wrestler, yeah, brother, you're a good hand, that other wrestler is going to take a massive offense to it. It's almost like being called a ham and egger. You get the job done. You're good a enough ham to and egg, fill the ha, a ham, Nah, a ham and egger is more of a jobber or an enhancement talent. Frankie DeFalco. Poor Frankie. Frankie. I love he Frankie just DeFalco. he just punches radio. I love Frankie DeFalco. You love everybody. He's an handsome except talent. Becky. You love everybody <laughs> except Becky. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, um, the conversation continued. Now, there's been a lot of talk and rumor about somebody being by Sean Spears' side. Let's see what uh, Sean Spears had to say to J- good old Jr. 
He forgot that I was there for the 50th wedding anniversary of his parents. He forgot that I sat at the table for Thanksgiving dinner. He's forgotten who he was. You guys are like brothers. We were. So it took a steel chair to remind him of one simple common denominating fact. He bleeds the exact same color that I do. So all out, Chicago, August 31st, I'll be there. And as the old resilient Rhodes family lineage tells us, he'll show up and I'll make an example out of him. You have no doubts he's gonna accept your challenge. Because I know. Rhodes, he's a Rhodes. Yeah, he... he needs to know face to face why. And I just so happen to have an ace up my sleeve, JR. The greatest battles and wars in history weren't won with the biggest weapons or the strongest soldiers. They were won with the greatest minds. <laughs> Thanks, Tully. JR, this interview needs to be over with. Sure, Tully. Now, if you don't know who Tully is, it's Tully Blanchard. So, Sean Spears, ace in the hole, the man by his side. Hall of Famer, Tully Blanchard, bully. Interesting to see AEW, a company that is so progressive, using legends like Tully Blanchard to advance and give the rub to their younger talent. What did I say they should do at Raw Reunion? Make sure those legends rub on the younger town, put them in the position to succeed. The minute Tully Blanchard whispers in Sean Spears' ear, he is a bigger star in that moment than he has ever been. He's a bigger star than when he cracked that chair over Cody's head. That's Tully Blanchard. That's one of the original four horsemen. And he's whispering in Sean's ear. Sean knows that he's got Tully in his back pocket and up his sleeve. Boom. I also find it interesting that they're still relying on the story that basically revolves around Dusty, right? Yep. Who was one of Dusty's arch rivals? Ric Flair. And Tully Blanchard. Well, Tully Blanchard was his, his, Tully Blanchard was, yeah, I mean, you, you, you talk about the four horsemen, Ric Flair, Ole Anderson, Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, but always Tully Blanchard. Yes, some blood feud, some bloody matches with Tully Blanchard. Absolutely. Didn't they even have like a barbed wire match or some yeah, kind of? I, I mean, I remember at the, at, at the Meadowlands in Jersey, them having a cage match together that was off the, off the chain. So if you have Tully in Sean Spears' corner, obviously you'd love to have Dusty in Cody's corner. Yeah. Who is Cody going to have to turn to? Now, I don't know if he turns to anybody, but obviously he would turn to his... I would th I would think he would turn to his brother, Dustin. Right. I love the fact... I, I've seen this... I, I have now seen the seed planted for the 2019 version of the story of the Rhodes family moving forward. Tully, an old nemesis, coming back to be in the she in the ear of Sean Spears. Tully being able to tell Sean Spears, I know everything that goes through the mind of a Rhodes. And if Dusty thought it, then Dustin thought it. And if Dustin thought it, then Cody will think it. And there's your story. It's amazing how AEW is telling stories. You know, they don't have weekly television. And sometimes the WWE misses the mark in storytelling, and they have all those hours 
of programming. And I love what you first just said. It got me excited because you're absolutely right. Sean Spears did more to get over with Tully whispering in his ear in that sit-down with JR than hitting Cody Rhodes in the head with that chair. Wait, give me that again? Wait, I, I repeated what you said, that Sean Spears got more over by having Tully Blanchard whispering in his ear in that sit-down with JR than that, that chair shot to the head of Cody Rhodes. 1,000% because that's the rub. That's when you have a legend in the same shot, in the same ring, in the same sit-down as your up-and-coming star. Who was Sean Spears before he cracked a chair over Cody's head? He was Ty Dillinger that failed in the WWE. Who is he now? He is somebody that, obviously, with having Tully in his ear and Cody as his nemesis, is a main event wrestler for AEW. Boom. And that's how you create stars. Overnight, you put them in there with the right people. And as many guys in AEW who might be doing a bunch of moves and athleticism and spots that might not mean nothing to some people because it's just spots for the sake of spots, they're also giving you cohesive storytelling. I, I enjoyed the first sit-down between JR and Sean. And JR took a back seat to Sean, which I loved. JR just didn't, didn't try to come over the top. JR didn't try to put Sean in a corner. JR just kind of, hey, man, I get where you're coming from. JR gave Sean Spears the spotlight. Sean Spears, the former Ty Dillinger, yep. is now basically kind of taking the lead role in a sit-down with JR and has Tully in his back pocket. How the hell did AEW do in one month with Sean Spears that the WWE couldn't do in 10 years with Ty Dillinger? Think about that, Bully. That that uh, fighter fest took place June 29th. That's when Sean Spears took the chair to Cody's head. Here we are. We're sitting talking about this on July 18th. Not even a month. Hasn't even been a month. And that guy went from somebody who was you know, gone from the WWE and really hadn't make, made a mark in AEW either. Now, all of a sudden, he's a main event wrestler. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to buy a ticket to see him go up against Cody Rhodes in a main event in a match. Ha have we ever seen situations like this before in the history of pro wrestling? Yeah, we've, we've seen, <laughs> we've, we've seen what's it. The, what's the best example? What pops to mind? How about Eric Bischoff telling Steve Austin that nobody that wears black trunks and black boots will ever get over in the wrestling business? One company saw absolutely nothing in a guy named Steve Austin, and a different company made him, or they made each other, into probably one of the top two of all time. Crazy. Isn't it crazy how, if, again... And here is a situation, Bully, where you got to give AEW a lot of credit and why this is going to give you a lot of promise going into their weekly show come the fall because of what you just said. Bully, you said the WWE in all those years couldn't do anything with Ty Dillinger. Within a month, AEW was able to make that guy into a main event wrestler. And look at what they did with him. Listen, it is obvious that Cody is the Dusty of AEW. Yes? Yes, 100%. Here comes Sean Spears. 
Cody's real life friend who was called, what was he called? A good hand? A good hand. Called a good hand. Dude, we could be the best friends in the world. If Dreamer ever referred to me as a good hand, I'd punch him in his fat face. You just don't say that. Sean Spears cracks him over the head. Boom. Overnight, we know who he is. Sean Spears sits down with JR. Boom. We know who he is. Tully Blanchard is now hanging and banging with Sean Spears. Remember when Flair was hanging out with with Triple H? Yep. How much more over was Triple H for hanging out with Ric Flair? Hanging in there with the best takes you to the next level. And great job. And again, what do we always say? A good head coach puts their players in positions to succeed. How do you make this story right? First of all, you have them sit down with Jim Ross, the greatest of all time, and go after Cody Rhodes, the creative mind behind AEW. And what do you have at the end of the day? A, 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 A legend like Tully Blanchard whispering in his ear, and he just made a main event wrestler. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. If I had the pencil. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get Cody and Sean Spears at All Out, correct? Yes. I would hope so. Yes. Who's going to be in Cody's? Uh, who's going to be in Sean Spears' corner? Looks like it's going to be Tully Blanchard. And who do you think, who would you imagine would be in Cody's corner? Dustin. I don't want Dustin in Cody's corner. If you want to bring this story from 30 or 40 years ago forward, you know who you have in Cody's corner? Can I guess? No, because you're going to guess right because I can see the look on your face and I ain't letting you steal my thunder, kid. (laughs) You have the enforcer. You have double A. Arn Anderson in the corner of Cody Rhodes. Yes. What do you think, Dave? I love it. I love it because who who's the great equalizer? It's Arn Anderson. It's the enforcer, like you said. And there is history there. The story writes itself. We are taking something from what? 40 years ago and fast forwarding it to two younger talents who are going to be able to get it done in the ring. The legends on the outside, the young studs on the inside. Can you imagine the face-to-face between Orn and Tully? Amazing. Can you imagine what the match is going to be like? That is great storytelling. That's how it should be done. Just sitting here thinking about it, I'm emotionally invested in that match. Wow. What's going to happen when Arn and Tully go face-to-face? Is, is Cody going to get his receipt, receipt on Sean for the chair shot? What's going to happen if this? Is there going to be a turn? Does Arn turn with Tully because they used to be together? And maybe they'll go show. All, I'm getting goosebumps just talking out loud. And, and again, what it does is bring generations of pro wrestling fans that want to tune into that match. And it does not hurt the two guys that are in the ring. With any other, with un, any of these other matches that revolve around athleticism, I don't feel this way because I can't sink my teeth into emotions of love and hate 
Not that I can't sit back and appreciate a high spot match, but I appreciate storytelling and characters and promos a lot more than I do a lot of the flips and flying. I agree. Let's finish up with the nation. Let's go out to Charles in Nebraska. Charles, what did you want to say about AEW? Uh, yeah, actually, I was kind of thinking when you guys were talking about the Sean Spears interview and everything like that. And I don't know where their contract situation is, and I don't know what AEW is going to do in terms of intergender, but what if this leads to down the line Cody and Brandy versus Sean Spears and Tessa Blanchard? I mean, again, Charles, thanks for the phone call. Uh, That all depends on what Tessa Blanchard's future is with Impact Wrestling. But, you know, that could be a possibility down the road. But I think the story that they're telling right now and who's involved in this story, Bully, I can't think of a, a of a better, more emotionally infused story than what we're seeing played out. And again, this isn't even being played out on TV. Imagine if this was part of a weekly television program. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open podcast the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand